Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. So tonight I want to talk to you about being chosen. I want to talk to you about being chosen. Because sometimes if you don't watch out, man, we forget we were chosen. I said we were chosen. Oh man, praise God, we were chosen. I mean, we were on a course and a direction that if it wasn't for a but God... I said a but God in our lives, right? And um, But I want to see why we were chosen, what we were chosen for a little bit today, okay? Um, just because, you know, again, we're not chosen to exit. So let's look at this together. First off, in John chapter 15, verse 16, he says this. He says, you did not choose me. So nobody in the room says, I want Jesus. Right? Before Jesus ever started talking to us, we didn't want him. We needed him to first what? Want us. He said, but you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Now, that's very important because I think if we don't watch out as believers, we'll live in existence like we chose Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. You're making a choice. You are choosing to accept the death, burial, and resurrection, the finished work of Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed for the forgiveness of our disobedience, our rebellion to his throne. Okay, we are making a choice, but we would not have the ability to make that choice unless it was first, unless he first said, I'm going to choose them. So the king handpicked you for his family. Because again, if we don't watch out, sometimes we won't value our choice. But God values you as his choice. See, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So before we were in a condition that God could bring us back into his home, have fellowship with him again, uh, be his child, where he could place his spirit back in man, where he could redeem all of humanity from the sin of Adam until the last sin that will ever be created, God had to choose to do the will of the Father, which was a choice to choose you out of the things you were in, even while you were in it. Amen. So then when we make the choice to accept it, it's better for us to remember, he chose me though. Now there used to be this game when I was young, you know, they don't do it anymore because it's too violent. But it's a game that we used to play when I was in elementary school called Red Rover. Red Rover, you know, you can't play Red Rover anymore. <laughs> it's too violent. You know, self-esteem goes down when Red Rover's being played today, so you can't play it. So anyway, um, you know, Red Rover, Red Rover, send so-and-so right over, right? Well, you know, you got picked to get on the team. Amen? And you felt good when you got picked towards the top because it showed value, right? And this is why they don't do it anymore because if you're the last one being picked, it makes you feel like you don't have value. Let me tell you right now, not picking someone or not allowing people to win because we're all going to participate does not stop the fact that the devil continues to do what he's always done and people will always feel that way, period. I'm not reinforcing something that sin nature is already doing. If anything, I'm showing people something to strive for. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Someone was telling me this the other day. I think it was when we were with the staff. I mean, I don't remember which staff it was, so I don't want to give credit to someone that, that I'm wrong, that's wrong now. Uh, but Paul said that we run a race, not all win the race. Not all win. Only one gets the prize. Wait a minute. Not today, society. Everybody gets one. So I realized that's unbiblical. I got to quit giving away. I got to quit doing participation trophies now. <laughs> I'm kidding. You can do that. I'm not saying it's unbiblical. I'm saying, though, there's something about striving. We, have, we are creating things to where we don't want to strive. Because if you don't do anything, you still get something. That's not like that in the kingdom. It's not like that in the kingdom. Okay? There's a reward for those who seek him. He doesn't say, I give a reward to anybody, whether you seek me or not. I'll open the door to anyone, whether they knock or not. I'll let them know, I'll let them know anything, whether they ask or not. No. There's a part on our part to play, and there's a reward, and I'm thankful that there's a reward. Amen? But he said, I, he said, you, di he said you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Then he says, and... In this John chapter 16 verse, or 15 verse 16, he says, but you didn't choose me, but I chose you. A lot of times we would just stop there, you know, and say, well, he chose me. I accept him as my Lord and Savior, so when I die, I go to heaven. Praise the Lord, right? So at that point, you know, we want to jump down to the part of this verse, and we want to read it like this with our lives. You did not, cho you did not choose me, but I chose you, so that whatever you ask of my Father in my name, he may give it to you. It's kind of how we want to live our Christian life, right? You didn't choose me, but I chose you. So whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you, okay? Because God loves everybody. Well, he does, okay. Um, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Then he says, and. So now he's going to say, and, this is why I'm choosing you. And appointed you. Now that means to set or to assign. I appointed you that you would go and bear some fruit, and that your fruit would what? Remain. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So we're not even asking the Father of things to be given to us until we are doing the assignment of why we were chosen in the first place so that we can bear fruit. Come on, isn't that good news? I, I just want to make it clear because many, many times believers get discouraged because, again, you know, just recently it's just really is bothering me a whole lot because, you know, looking at the world and everything, and, um, you know, it, it's kind of bothered me in general, but all the more as I see things happening in the world. And I'm not so concerned about the loss because, you know, they're, they're cold and they can turn and get hot pretty quick. Because they're just blind, right? And, you know, those that are on fire for God, well, that's pretty simple, right? Because they're following God, they're passionate. It's these lukewarm folk that I'm concerned about because the Bible talks about this lukewarm people, but he don't just use it in Revelation. He talks about it in this context. He said, the heart, the love of many will wax cold or grow cold. Now, that word love is agape, and you can't have agape unless you're born again. So the Lord's telling us that as believers... And there's going to be a whole lot of children of God who are going to allow their love to wax cold. Now, it doesn't mean it gets cold. It gets less hot. So you add a little cold to your hot, what do you get? 
man. Okay, so that bothers me because, again, love is what activates the kingdom of God, right? It's what causes our faith to work because faith worketh by love. So if our love's jacked up, then I don't care what we're saying, believing, or whatever the case may be. So there's a lot of children of God, been in church, no scripture, but they're asking the Father, and they're getting nothing from the Father, and they're discouraged, and they're upset, and they're like, I go to church, you know, I've been reading the Bible, I don't understand why you won't do this, but they don't understand that there's an appointment. He chose you for an appointment. He didn't just choose you to keep you from, you know, going to the lake of fire. That's not why he chose you. He chose you for destiny, for purpose, for sonship. It's huge. So it's so important, you know, for us to know why we were born. It's not enough to know you were born. You need to know why. Well, the only person who has the right to tell you your why is the Lord. I said is the Lord. Okay, so he, you didn't choose him, but he chose you, which tells us this, he knew what he was thinking about you when he made the choice to bring you in. So he's the one who knows what to do with you, what will release you, what will cause everything that he put in you to show up and show out and produce fruit, right? See, when you get um, the manufacturer of a particular product show up, they can show you all the bells and whistles. Why? Because they know exactly how it functions. But most of us who aren't, we don't know how to do it, so we know a little bit, and we drive around in our cars, you know, and it's like, wow, isn't it so cool, only to find out there's like really cool stuff that we don't even know about. So we're not using it at its greatest capacity. You know, and I don't want us as Anchor Faith Church believers uh, in the earth in these last days to be those believers that just drive around and don't know all that we have available to us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All available to us. I remember Pastor Darrell did a funny story uh, concerning a car he had, had a nice little fancy car he had ended up getting, but didn't have any cup holders. And he thought, this is stupid. So he went and bought them little, now, I will date, I'll date myself, but I don't care. I get better with age. So back in the day before cup holders, they had these little plastic ones that you hang on the side. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And then you hit it with your hand, and then your drink fall down. It's good to get nostalgic sometimes. So he buys him one of those, you know, he's like, I got this really nice car, you know, kind of a luxury vehicle, and here I got this little, you know, probably 25 cent back then, cup holder that got on the thing. Well, he ended up going to wipe his car, you know, he's cleaning it and hit something by accident. All of a sudden, two hidden plush cup holders. He'd been driving around the thing for a month and didn't know they were there, right? I had this similar experience with a Cadillac that I had is that I was wiping it down. All of a sudden, the face of my radio opened up. I'm like, what is that? Had a little secret compartment in there. So I was like, oh, I can't wait to show my wife. Put it back down, right? I remember with Dave and Mackey, man, they got that little Colorado out there, and I had a, the equivalent GMC of that Chevrolet. And uh, I walked outside one day, man, and I hit my little remote start, and that thing cranked up, and David Mackey was like, wow, that's really cool. I said, David, yours to do that. What? I said, let me see your key. And I showed it to him. He's like, oh, I can't wait to show my wife. Then he forgot. (laughs) 
So I went to Cindy all jacked up, you know, thinking, wow, this is going to be great. I said, Cindy, so what did you think about your trunk? She's like, what? I'm like, David, you didn't show her? Oh, yeah, I forgot. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But now when it's cold, it's a big deal. Come on, Florida folks. It's a big deal. There's a sign I passed on US-1 that said, you know, for Floridians, when Floridians hear blizzards, we think of Dairy Queen. <laughs> okay, so that may be true. Uh, but he appointed us, are you hearing what I'm saying? To go and bear fruit. So the reason he's choosing us is for an appointment so that we can do something awesome for him. And everybody in this room, God wants to release you. There's things in you you don't even know yet. Amen. I like it when someone discovers something about me. Yeah. Pastor, wow, I didn't. I'm like, I didn't either, man. This is like amazing, the anointing, <laughs> right? It's like, wow. Where did, I've gone out of particular meetings and said some things. And it's like, what? And you're like, yeah, wow, that was amazing. I remember going to a particular funeral, man, and I didn't know the individual, and I listened, and then I just tied that thing together like a Hallmark card. And uh, my uh, Pastor Marcus was like, Telling my wife, wow, how, where did he get that from? How did he do that? You knew it was the anointing, but it's like uncovering cup holders. You understand what I'm saying? You're like, wow, that's in me. That's in me. You, boy, if you could figure out what's in you. Because he's in you. I said the greater one's in you. Amen. Because when he's bearing witness with your spirit, the Holy Ghost didn't say, man, you just ought to be lucky you getting up. To heaven one day. Woo, you, you, you pitiful. You pitiful. My gosh, this is pitiful. Oh, my gosh. I got a lot of work to do with you. Now, he has a lot of work to do with you. Don't get me wrong. But when he talks to your spirit, he's saying, woo, look at you, mighty man of valor. You a champion right there now. Come on now. If I can just get you to get past your mind up there, we're going to be all right. We got to change that thinking. We got to release that stuff. We too busy looking in the mirror, and we realize not, we're forgetting that we're chosen. Because society today, if you look at it, all I'm just looking for a group. They're looking for somebody to identify with. But at the end of the day, there's only one chosen. Now, that may not sound politically correct, and it may sound like, you know, uh, uh, we're excluding people. I'm not excluding anyone. All are available to come in, but not all will. And it's not by God's choice. It'll be by their choice because he'll choose them. But will they answer? Or you hear me? But that's something very significant that God, who created the heavens and the earth, said, I want you. Wow. Wow. And you're not like, well, I wanted this one, but I'm stuck. This ain't like the draft, people. You understand what I'm saying? This ain't like, mm, well, you weren't my first pick, but no, you're his first pick. I said, you're his first pick. Because again, remember, we're all seated in Christ. We're all in the same seat. Hallelujah. I'm not in a better seat. We're in the same seat. So with that being said, since we're chosen, well, what kind of people are we then? Look what it says here in 1 Peter. I want to remind you today in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, and, or 9 and 10, it says it this way. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, he says, but you are a chosen race. Again, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You're a chosen race. You're chosen. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. I'm looking at royalty. I said I'm looking at royalty today. A holy nation. 
That means separated, a, a, a group of people who are separated unto God. Okay? Who reflect his values, his culture, his lifestyle, his way of doing things. All right? Then it goes on and says, a people for God's own possession. Don't you want to be God's own? Man. He says, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous life, for you were once not a people. Now get this, you were a people, but not one. So you exist as a people, but in God's eyes, you're not even a people. But I thought God loves everyone. He does. He loves everyone, and he's given everyone an opportunity to quit not being a people. Because if you don't choose Jesus when he chooses you, then you'll, go, you'll stay in the not people class. And the not people class will go to the lake of fire, which is the second death of their own choosing. I don't want to be a people, although they act like they're a people. But God says you're not a people. But now you are the people of God, for you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy. Aren't you glad you received mercy? Now, let's look at this word race real quick, right? Because, you know, uh, we get it. There's buzzwords going around our nation right now, you know, about race. About race. Okay? And you may look at me and think I'm the least qualified to talk about race. But I'm not. And if that offends you, you have a race problem. Okay? Because I don't regard any man in the flesh. Because I'm going to show you what race means here. You are a chosen race. Look what it says here. A relatively large group of persons regarding as being biologically related. So the minute you got in Christ, you became my brother and sister in Christ. And I cannot regard this outside more than the blood side. Now, when I say blood side, I'm not talking about what came out of my loins, blood side DNA. I'm talking about what flowed from Calvary's cross and is flowing off the mercy seat today. Amen. So, whenever I see things going down in the world, I'm asking myself, is this a people that I'm supposed to jump in with or is it a not a people? When things are going down, you understand, you know, those are my people. Well, who are your people? Because I'm going to show you who your people are if you're chosen. Because the Bible will show you who your people are. I love Ancestry.com. I haven't been on it myself, you know, but I've heard great stories. But at the end of the day, ain't none of them going back to the garden. Not one of them been, now, this has been recorded in the garden. The Bible went back to the garden. It has some great, uh, um, you know, um, what do they call that? Family trees listed in the Bible, right? I just don't know how I connect, but I'm going to somehow get back to Noah and then from there get back to Adam. So if you're going back to a people, you're trying to figure out your origins, don't stop in a continent today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because here's the thing. This is what's sad, is that believers will be more passionate about a people instead of about those who are not a people 
regardless of what they look like out on, on the outside. They'll try to defend groups in a natural sense and disregard their personal um, spiritual family. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He says you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. This word people means this. It means a people which knows um, a populace. Well, when you break this down, another particular um, uh, um, Greek lexicon says it this way. It says it's a people, um, a tribe, a nation, or those who are of the same stock and language. Do you know what? We're of the same stock. I'm of the tribe of Judah. Come on, I've been engrafted in because Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. And if he's my brother, then by all rights, I'm part of his tribe. <laughs> right? And I have the same language, which is the spirit of faith. I speak the word of God. I mean, I can communicate with anybody who will talk the word. Man, you talk the word. It's like, man, family. I love getting around people who want to talk the word, who want to talk the word, speak the word, speak the word only, man. My gosh. And you know it now. I ain't talk, I'm talking to the choir here, so I'm just reminding you. You know this. You know this, that many of you said, man, I, being in church and the people around church are more family to me than even my own family. And you, this is why, because you're chosen. You're a people, and some of your natural blood family aren't even a people yet. And you want them to come in. You want them to come in, but they're not one. And that's why you enjoy being around others that aren't. So don't, make the, don't let the devil make you feel guilty about that. All you can do is do your part and be an example of Christ's kingdom to them. Because at the end of the day, if they don't get right with God, they're not going to be with you forever. It's not going to happen. So this people is a collective people who belong to God. Now, the only people who belong to God are those who've called on the name of the Lord and are saved. And he did not limit that to a tribe or a nation in the planet. God desires that all men, not males, but the spirit of man, all would repent. And that's why people are all over the globe right now preaching about Jesus so that when they call on the name of the Lord, they're saved. And all of a sudden, just because your outside doesn't match my outside and your upbringing doesn't match my upbringing, but the blood that just got applied to you and the blood that was applied to me made us family. Made me family. And as a result of that, hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's awesome. So we're a people. And we were chosen, handpicked to be this. Amen. So if you're going to defend the family, <laughs> whether you know what the word says, 
and stay with the word because God's people follow his word. We're going to see this. Now, look at this in Romans chapter 9, verse 25 to 26. It says it this way. As he says also in, in Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people. And her and her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it was said of them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Woo, glory to God. Amen. I said, amen. amen. It's something about sonship. There's something about daughtership, so to speak. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, there's something about being a child of God. And we miss this a lot because a lot of times our confession of faith that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave is really an exit strategy, so we'll be with him when we get to heaven. But he'll, he makes us a son now. He makes us a daughter now. And he won't leave you as an orphan. He'll actually care for you. He's got you put in his kingdom. You're a people to him right now. Amen. And you're chosen. So every time you allow a thought to bounce around in your little brain that you're not worthy. You know what's crazy? This is Crazyville, right? This is like Crazyville. So uh, I, I can get born-again believers. Go to a one that's not a people. That's outside the kingdom. Tell them about the love of God, how Jesus loves them. And they're like, man, I ain't worth nothing. I, no, you are. Jesus loves you. And you'll tell them how worthy they are when they're in an unworthy place. And they are technically, by all rights, unworthy. Now, you should say, yeah, you're right. You're unworthy. That's why you need Jesus. Because he makes you worthy. But what do we do? Well, we'll tell them they're worthy before they get worthy. And we'll tell ourselves we're not worthy once we are worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're upset at me, you're only upset at God because I am who God says I am. And he calls me beloved. He calls me a triumph. He calls me a victor. He calls me the head and not the tail. He calls me above and not beneath. Right? He calls me a son. Hallelujah. And how can, Jesus, how can the Lord have horrible kids? Well, I mean, you can choose to be a horrible kid, but that's not what's in your DNA, your spiritual DNA, because you can be a bad kid, right? I mean, we can naturally be bad kids. I was a bad kid once, probably one time, right, Mom? Only once. You just stay seated. It's all right. <laughs> my mom is here. No, don't give my mom the mic. Don't. Don't give her the mic. <laughs> I'm sure I messed up one and a half times in my lifetime. I was the perfect child. She knows it, right? <laughs> Amen. No, I cannot reflect what she taught me. That's true. And it's by my choice. But it's not because I didn't learn it. For us, it's even worse because our DNA allows us, supports our ability to be like God. And when we allow our minds to disrupt that, that's a problem. Anyway, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2, uh, 26 to 29, says this, For you are all sons of God, how? Through faith in Christ Jesus. I just want you to look around real quick and see your brother and sister. That's really important. You see your brother and sister. Now, you know, that's, that's the assumption that all of you are born again. If you're not, then you're not a people, and we get you in today. <laughs> I'll get you right through. We can get you right through, all right? 
But let's look at this again now. He says, for we are all sons. And again, the reason it says sons and not daughters, although in other contexts, other you know, verses say sons and daughters, it says sons because, again, the spirit of man is without gender. The spirit of man goes within the male suit or the female suit, okay? So when he says sons of God, we're talking spiritually speaking specifically. For we're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So faith is what brought us into the family that we believe that Jesus Christ did the assignment that the Lord told him to do, and he got the victory for us. He said, for, you, for all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself in Christ. Now, again, this word Christ is not a first name of Jesus nor a last name of Jesus. It's title. And again, Christ is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means the anointed one in his anointing. And that is an action that goes on the king. So the king is anointed. He has authority and power. So when he says this, for all of you have been baptized in the anointing and his anointing, the anointing and his anointing. Yes. And you have his royalty. Yes. You have his kingship. That's why we are the king of the king. He's the king of. And we, who are those kings? It's us because we're royalty. We're a chosen race. We've been chosen. All right. And so we've been baptized into Christ and have closed ourselves with this anointing and his anointed, uh, with the anointed one and his anointing, and we are royalty. We are kings. So there's neither Jew nor Greek. <laughs> so there was this movie, you know, that I, that I saw one time, and this guy, I'm not, some of you will know what it is, but, you know, I don't want to say it. Anyway, so it's in a particular nation called uh, um, Brazil and pulled up, you know, a nut says, this Brazilian nut. And they go, well, down here we just call it a nut because they were in Brazil, right? I say that because I think we might get shocked at the marriage supper of the lamb when we're like, ah, oh, there's the Latino di dishes over here and here's the Greek dishes over here and here's the, and the Lord be like, they're just the kingdom dishes. Now, there'll be every tongue, tribe, and nation, but we'll all identify as sons of God and in his kingdom. That's what I'm saying. Because down here, you know, we'll, we'll start talking about these things as if, you know, and you can have a, a taste towards a particular style of food that's labeled, you know, in our world. But at the end of the day, that is not more important than your sonship in Christ. So what he's saying here is there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor freeman, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We will not identify when we stand before the Lord and we're ca caught up together with him in the air. I won't go and say, hey, uh, uh, I, I'm a Christian American. Uh, I, I'm a uh, 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 African Christian. I'm an American Christian. I'm an Irish Christian. I'm a Hispanic Christian. We're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. That won't be our identity. Notice that we're not, we're going to, those lines are gone. I said those lines are gone. So at the end of the day, although we enjoy certain things and we can identify based upon naturally natural cultures and things because i'm going to be honest with you right now many places are missing it because they identify ethnically before their kingdom status 
They put their ethnic, their ethnic group in front of their Christianity. Yet Jesus says, you need to just get rid of that. Just get rid of it. Hallelujah. Just get rid of it. <laughs> because we're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, descendants, heirs according to the promise. What's super cool about Abraham is Abraham wasn't even a Jew. He wasn't even with the nation of Israel. He's by all right a Gentile from the land of Ur. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is awesome. So we go on and see this then in Galatians 4, 6, and 7. It says, because you are sons. What are you? Sons. You're sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You know, the devil has done a real good job against identity. I mean, adopted kids will still long to see biological parents that never were around. Yet they could have had a godly dad or mother the whole time. Right? Because he just eats at it, eats at it. Well, part of that, I don't have a problem. You want to identify with your bloodline. I'm glad you're asking. His name's Jesus. Right? So again, part of that is really a spiritual yearning. It's really not a natural yearning. Because at the end of the day, his spirit in us have our hearts crying out, Daddy. Daddy. Right? Now, you know who your daddy is, right? Because your daddy and my daddy are the same daddy. <laughs> same daddy. I said same daddy. It's amazing the DNA strands coming from dad. And I'm glad that dad is not boring. That we all are carbon copies. Now, you know I've said this before, but it bears repeating. <laughs> you go to predominantly same um, color or race of people groups and walk outside where they park their vehicles. Because you understand, this is a skin suit. The real you's on the inside. So when we walk out in our parking lot, I don't have a bunch of white cars parked all together. I don't have all the black cars parked together. I don't have all the red cars parked together. I don't have all the yellow cars over here. They don't gravitate to each other. You don't even think about it. You're just looking for a parking spot. Seriously, has anybody ever said, I just can't park by that white car? Can't do it. I can't do that pink. Can't do it. I'm not parking there. Mary Kay Pink, yeah, right. Those, we don't even think that way. It's just a vehicle. I said it's just the vehicle. You could pull up behind, by a vehicle of someone who's your enemy, and you'll park right by them. Now, you may not know it's your enemy, But we get all uptight because we're personally in this vehicle. At least the world does, you understand. And the enemy's done this to divide. But unity comes from the body of Christ only identifying ourselves, as God says, and reminding ourselves, we chosen. <coughs> I, you know, I'm sorry. 
Now, come on, you are people. Are you born again? Because if you ain't born again, you ain't my people. And if you are born again and you're trying to identify me with the outside, then you forgot all the other family members we have. You forgot them all, and I refuse to do that. I said, I refuse to do that. Okay, <coughs> excuse me. It goes on and says this, verse 7, Therefore, you are no longer a slave. Oh, man, yeah. Galatians 4, 6, and 7. Let's read this again. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying what? Abba, Father. Look at the connection. Therefore, therefore, because the spirit in you is the same spirit of the son and we have the same daddy, you are no longer a slave. So that tells me if you identify people different, then by the spirit, you have slave mentality. So you're no longer a slave identifying externally, but a son, and if a son, then an heir. Slaves are not heirs. So if you are born again, but keep a slave mentality, you won't get your inheritance. How do I know this? Because the nation of Israel were slaves in Egypt, and they came out through the Red Sea and saw the miracles of God in Egypt, through the Red Sea, and beyond. But yet, when they got to the promised land, a delivered people, a free people, their mentality maintained slavery. And they saw themselves as grasshoppers, and they failed to get their inheritance. So you have to recognize the minute you're born again, you've been chosen and God put you in a very big family that he's super creative and your brothers and sisters don't look nothing alike, but we identify him as dad. And anytime we do it any other way, we're acting like slaves. All right, y'all doing all right? Okay. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 18 says this, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. This is important. Because, you know, now when I say this, you're like, wow, this is kind of incestuous. It's not. Because, again, we are brothers and sisters, but we're not from the same natural family. It's from a spiritual family. But as a spiritual family, we are to marry within our own. If you're a believer, you should stay within the family. <laughs> so he says, listen, don't be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness and what fellowship has uh, light with darkness or what harmony has Christ with this false God or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever. But it's amazing how many believers will marry an unbeliever thinking they're going to get them right. Yeah, the Bible says there ain't, you don't even know that. It tells you if you even marry within the family, you're going to have trouble. There's going to be trouble because two wills are trying to come together to do the plan of God, and there's going to be friction. It's just going to happen. Okay? So we see here then, again, Christ or the Bible is identifying difference between chosen and those that have not yet accepted the fact that he wants to choose them. Now, with that being said, he may not have let them know you're chosen yet. But he's going to let them know. 
Everyone's going to have an opportunity to be chosen. All right? He says, goes on and says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as it said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my what? Be my people. Therefore, come out from uh, their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean we go get a little compound and we create our own little community now and we try to have a little heaven on earth and a community and boundaries and borders and nobody can ever get in that are lost, right? You know, that people have done in the past that is an error. Because if you read Paul later on, he said, I, I didn't say that you couldn't do things in the world. You'd have to leave the world. So nobody's saying don't disassociate it with the world. He did say you can cut off your so-called brother if he's going to remain in sin. That's a whole nother ball game. But when it comes to the world, we're going to be in the world that we're not of. But we're separate because why? We live a lifestyle that the king is recognizable comes from another place. I said it's recognizable. It will manifest on the outside. Okay? It will manifest in our, most of the time. Though it can happen in some natural instances, but the majority of it, it will be based upon behavior or attitude, okay? Things that we are able to receive from God and walk in that others can't have, okay? All right. So he tells us then that we are to be separate. He said, do not touch what is unclean, and I'll welcome you, and I will be a what? Father to you. And this is a problem right here because some of y'all don't know what a father is because your natural father has been garbage, and so what you do is you think your heavenly father like a natural father, and your heavenly father ain't nothing like a natural father at all. I don't care if they even love God, and you really can't find a problem with them. Your heavenly father is only revealed through Scripture. So again, if you're mad at Father God, it's because you're not trying to spend any time with him to find out who he is. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of men and women, for that matter, who don't have daddies, don't have good father relationships, all they want to do is be with that father and get acceptance. But yet, they won't get with God the Father through the reading of the Word to be accepted by Him. So in essence, they act like the father they loathe and they hate because they mistreated them and rejected them. That's why they want them so bad because they feel rejected, but they keep rejecting the heavenly father. So they're acting like their natural father to a heavenly father. When the heavenly father says, I'm here. And there's no excuse in the United States because you can get with the heavenly father all the time. It's, it's so, so, he's so accessible. We have no constraints with the word. None. Hallelujah. So he said, I'll welcome you and I'll be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Aren't you glad you're in the family of God? Amen. But remember, he didn't bring you in the family just so you can lay on the couch. Reminds me of my, my second son, Chase, okay? <clears throat> and um, when he was younger, we were like, what do you want to do for a living? He, I said, what are you going to do when you, get, when you grow up, you know, when you get out of the house? He said, I'm going to move in with Sean, and I'm going to eat Doritos and play video games <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> that was his life goal. I'm glad that didn't happen. 
Sean wouldn't have let it happen anyway. I mean, he probably would have let him game with him. That would have happened. But the Doritos, you know, forever on his couch, you got to leave. You got to, you got to go. <laughs> right? <clears throat> I'm glad he found destiny. So God's appointed us. And again, we are with our family. You know, you know every time we have service, we get a family reunion. <laughs> I love it. All right, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 and 38 again, just to kind of keep us moving in the right direction as a family. We're chosen. He said, do, you, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Now, that's very interesting. This is a B-side, right? This is a B-side. He's the prince of peace. You'll have peace with God. God will give you peace. And then God says, I ain't bringing no peace. <laughs> no, he brings peace, but... He does say this as well. Don't think that I came to bring peace on the earth, meaning that I'm going to be make every... <laughs> In essence, Jesus says, I can't come to earth and do what humanity always says they want, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, right? Because there can be no peace till you're in the family. And those who choose to be out of the family will not be at peace. And God will not be at peace with them. Because if you choose to be against God, then he'll be against, man, that's tough. Because that's, that's loss. I said, that's loss. He said, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Okay? He said, for I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemy will be the members of his what? Wow! Who's your enemy? That's tight. Well, what's he mean? He means that if one member in a family is born again and another one is not, in God's eyes, they're enemies because their spirits are in two different directions. One is the spirit of rebellion. The other one is a spirit towards God and full of love. And by all rights, they are enemies. This is why a believer should not marry an unbeliever because you're marrying an enemy. Let them get born again first. Then say, I do. Let them prove they want God, not you. Because many of them come into the house of God to try to act like they love God to get you. <laughs> oh, they're great. Man, you let them, let them hit a couple trials. Let's let a couple trials bounce through real quick. I'm listening. Seriously, people will marry people the minute they, they meet them, okay, without even let, letting us see how they respond with God. See if there's some proof in the pudding. But again, we're short-sighted because, you know, we don't understand that God can get somebody from some other country to you if, they, if necessary, okay? There's just nobody at church that I like. So? I said, so? What's that matter? Are you timing me or something? Y'all trying to get me off? Somebody trying to say, stop, Pastor Earl. I got a little, a little alarms going off. <laughs> okay. Um, so we see here, he says, I'm going to set man against father, right? Daughter against mother. It's not that he wants a fight in the house. But the minute one chooses him because he chose them and the other doesn't, there's conflict. It's conflict. So he said, don't think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I came to bring a sword. 
I'm going to divide people. Because if you're going to be my people, you're going to have to leave the group that is rebellious from me. And I've said this before, and I mean it. Mama, some of you are hindering your children to become children of God because you keep trying to keep them in the house when you should cut them loose and let them live the life because repentance may actually show up then. Well, God loves them. God loves them, and God wants to do stuff to change their heart, but you keep letting them live in their sin without consequence. And you understand, you're going to get blamed for it. You don't love me. I can't believe you put me out. You're so horrible. I get it. I get it. No, I do love you. And I gave you this many chances. I mean, I, I, could, I could paint every wall in the house on all the chances I just gave you. Are you hearing me? Now, I'm not telling you to put your five-year-old out, okay? Be patient. <laughs> It's all right. They're going to make it. <laughs> right. Terrible twos. There, you got to go. <laughs> it's your bag. <laughs> Pastor said, we enemies. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. You know, you, you get online, man. People will take out of context, right? I mean, all kind of stuff. Bless their darling hearts. <laughs> but you need to understand that, you know, if you marry someone that isn't right with God, then, you know, you're putting yourself in position to sleep with your enemy. All right? And, um, you know, my kids were enemies at a time because they weren't right with God. But then they got born again. Now, they weren't bad enemies because, you know, they did what I said anyway because um, I was dad. But at the end of the day, you're looking for them to repent and make Jesus Lord of their life. And praise God, they all did. All right. And then to my grandkids, and, and we'll go on from there. Okay, verse 37. It says, he who loves father and mother more than me. Oh, now. Oh, watch out now. He who loves father and mother, meaning natural, more than me, is not worthy of me. Now, this, this, would, this would be some, some tight, tight preaching in other churches. Not this one, but in other churches. Other churches. Right? And I, I see it out here. I mean, most of y'all, y'all sit with your families. I mean, I get it. You know, I, I don't expect the husband here and the wife to be over there. I get it. You know, I don't, don't even sit with me in church. Just go somewhere else. I, I get that. <laughs> You're going to sit with your family. I understand that. But if you put your family that's at your home address over the others in here or love them more, love God less than the, your own natural family, that's a problem. That's a problem. And I've seen it, you know, especially in today's society. Again, it's just, it's, you know, society is working it very diligently, very, very, you know, cr cr uh, craftedly. Is that the word that I want to use? You know, they, um, you know, hey, we're going to have, you know, practice on Wednesday night now. You know, we've got this sport here. You know, well, we got this thing here. Next thing you know, these parents are loving their kid, running all over the place to do something with their child, and then they're not in church. And then we're basically telling God, You're, you understand. 
And the Lord's like, no, 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 no. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me. Husbands, fathers would be like, you know what? I got to work. I got to work. I got to take care of my wife. You know, we got to do this. I wanted this for her, this, that, and the other. And you're loving them more than being in service, being with the Lord, spending time. And you understand what I'm saying. I, I'm not trying to guilt trip you into being in church all the time, though you should be here a lot. What I'm saying is, is that if you think reading a couple of scriptures is a relationship with God, it's just not. Let me say it this way. Guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, you can go to all kind of churches, right? I get that. I understand that. But at the end of the day, I'm obligated to give you God's standard. I don't control you anyway. You can do whatever you want to do and live anywhere below it. Period. You can live anywhere. I can't make you live anywhere. Right? But people have come to Anchor Faith Church and all of a sudden we'll preach this standard like, wow, man, they just expect too much. Oh, I'm sorry, I expect the Bible. <laughs> so you want to go somewhere where they don't preach this standard but preach the door. The standard is get in the door and hug it. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. You saved me, Jesus. Now, I ain't going to live much different, but man, I'm thankful that I get to go. Well, there's a standard way higher than that because he didn't just choose you out of this world. He appointed you to go bear fruit. If you're going to bear fruit, then we got to train you to that bearing of that fruit. So there's just a standard that actually is in you to be released the whole time and that I cannot look at you any other way but through the eyes of God. Now, if you choose to live less, you can. Go. Because God won't even make you live his standard, although his standard's actually in your spirit to be released. But as a pastor, I'm going to hold you to his standard and inspire you to get there. Right? Man, it's just too hard. It's not hard. It's not hard. He said, my commandments are not burdensome. So it's not hard. That's the devil line when you think it's too hard. No, your flesh is trying to raise up and resurrect itself. And I'll teach you how to kill it all the time. Yeah, I'll teach you how to kill your flesh, murder it. I mean, crucify it. Man, put it down. We can do that. We can get there. You can live that life. It's awesome. But if you don't want to live it, then you don't have to. And here's the thing. Any, none of us have been perfect. So when one of my brothers and sisters aren't perfect, the first thing I do to run to them is, are we going to repent? Because when we repent, then we're immediately on the road to restoration. Right? Because again, if I, hold the, if I hold this person to this standard, but this person to this standard, and this person to this standard, the next thing you know, when this person doesn't do right, but we act like it doesn't matter. Because see, this happens with families. All of a sudden, your family sins. Well, we're going to act like it didn't happen. What do you mean it didn't happen? It happened. So we're going to have to set aside. We're going to have to go to restoration. We're going to have to do the rest restoring because we love you too much. Because ultimately you're in God's family, not just mine. And there's, whole, there's, there's a whole lot more in the family than just under this roof right now. So we got to do it. Why? Because we love you. I don't love you more than God by not holding you to the standard where you can be restored, run, and go and thrive. But if you want to live in a place where your flesh can thrive, well, you've come to the wrong place. I get it. I get it. And that's okay. There's plenty that accommodate that and take off. It's good. It's great. You go there. But I can tell you in heaven, we won't have a flesh problem. 
Won't, it won't happen. In the new heaven, new earth, there will not be a flesh problem. And when you stand before the Lord, you realize that flesh really shouldn't have done all that in the first place. Amen. I mean, that's kind of like LeBron James saying, you know what, I'm just going to play like I'm in high school now. I mean, I got a few rings. I'm not going to push myself. It's like Tom Brady saying, I'm 43, I just won a Super Bowl, I got seven rings, nobody's better than me. Why come back? You know, I'm going to let myself go. But they signed all of them back because he's thinking, I'm coming back. <laughs> we can do this again, right? Why? Did he, is he lowering his standard? And what do we do? We are like in awe over these people we call goats. Now, God to separate the goats from the sheep, just to let you know. <laughs> I'm not saying they're not getting in. I don't know where they're at personally, okay? I mean, some of the things they say, um, I don't think you're in the family. <laughs> I'm not seeing no fruit bearing of the family right now. Because fruit's obvious. Don't judge me. I'm just looking at your fruit, and you need to clean it up because there's, there's fungus then. We got some problems. Because I can't eat it. It's bitter. Tastes like the world's. Are you hearing me? Okay. So again, I can't love them more than we love God. And he said, he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now that goes back to us personally. The cross that you have is your purpose. All right, let me close with this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 to 50. It says this. While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and his brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Wow. Now, I'm glad Mary didn't get offended. Because this is her boy. I mean, you understand <laughs> what Mary... What do you mean, who's my mama? Boy, I brought you into this world. Now, I may not be able to take you out because I love the Lord, right? Because you're God's child. But I'm just saying, I was there when you came out. I was there when you, you know, needed to be cleaned up. I was there feeding you, <coughs> right? And he goes, who's my mom? Boy, this is intimate now. I love this. I love this. And it just lets me know, anytime someone begins to love their home address more, then I realize, man, they just haven't matured in the things of God yet. Just hadn't done it. You know, one of the saddest things and I'm telling you, I, I really want to see your kids get right. But one of the saddest things is when a parent continues to give to a child that they know is not right with God and keep them around and keep them in the house and keep them close because they think, they, in their mind, the devil's deceived them. Now, if you cut them off and they die, it's your fault. But here's the problem. You're actually at fault now because every time you reinforce giving and bailing them out of their behavior that's ungodly you're reinforcing in their mind God overlooks this because you are God's example to them 
And in essence, you're saying God don't really care about sin. I'm trying to just be plain with you. God don't care about sin. Now, you've got to find out when long suffering is done. And long suffering can happen outside your house anyway. But there comes a place where, you know, your 35-year-old child should not be living at the house. Because they've been there since they graduated. They've been in and out of trouble and all kind of stuff, and they ain't living for God, and you've been talking to them about Jesus forever. Now, I got in a place where I need to come home to my mom after I was married, but I wasn't living a hellious life. I was trying to actually follow God, go to Bible school, and I went to the wrong one. I'm like, I need to come back to Florida. Mom said, well, you can live with me until we got a place, and we did, and we did. But I'm talking about, you know, you know they sleeping around. Now, they're going to come to your family reunion. I get it. You're going to do things to continue to try to connect. But if you are helping them every time, you need to realize God's got a family way bigger than you. That's the problem. You think you're the only mama. That's what I love about Gwen. Stand up, Gwen. Would you stand up, Gwen, for me? See, before my mama came, Gwen said, I love you. She'd give me a kiss right here and leave her makeup on my jacket. Okay? But she said, I'll be your mama. I'll be your mama. Isn't that sweet? Now, you know what? She is my mama. No disrespect to my mama, but she's my mama because, put that verse back up. Because of what the verse says. He says, who is my mama and my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is. So the minute Gwen says, I'll be your mama, I'm like, thank you, I need a mama right now. Because my natural mom's not here, but I have mamas because they do the will. So when Miss Dorothy uh, Kruzik ran up to me the other day, which was hilarious, she said, now, Pastor Earl, if you see me talking to myself, remember I'm self-employed and I'm just having a, 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 a business meeting. <laughs> I said, that's good. I said, now, that's good. <laughs> right? But she's like a mama to me because she does the will of the Father. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, my family's so big. And all of a sudden, I would, you cannot allow your natural connection think it's the only connection that God's got fam, mothers beyond, mamas that can talk to your natural kids and get them over. Because <clears throat> the minute they get with that spiritual mama and start telling you, telling him, or her about the, how natural mama was right and they need to do God and they finally get right, then they'll say, you need to go back to your mama and apologize. And you'll be glad that you were bold enough to know that God had family way beyond you because you quit looking naturally. And you look like God and you remembered that I'm chosen. I'm chosen. And my family's big and it's royal. It's awesome. And I can see them. I know them because they do God's will. I said they do God's will. They don't, we aren't all the same maturity. I get it. <clears throat> I had a brother eight years younger than me. My, my sister is older than me, though she'll never tell you that when she comes, right? She always says she's younger, but she's not. Anyway, 
You know, we had age gap. Well, we didn't always get along. You know, I had a maturity at one age that my younger brother didn't have, but he was still my brother. And we were to obey our parents. So even if you don't know God like I know God, if you're obeying God where you're at, and I'm obeying God where I'm at, and we're doing His will, there you go. This is awesome. Hallelujah. Family's good. I said the family's good. And let me say this about our family. It's the only one that'll remain. It's the only one that'll remain. It's actually eternal. And I got a lot of family members I hadn't even met yet. But when I meet them, they're going to tell me all they did for the Lord. That'll be their testimony. I'm here because I obeyed. I'm here because I did what he said. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. Thank you.